Rest in peace, Burt Bacharach. This is us pouring one out for him. Now, this is a song by Christopher Cross. It was made for the movie Arthur. But Burt Bacharach helped write this song. Never heard of the guy until I watched the Austin Powers movies. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. And then he would perform in like a romantic setting. Had no idea how big of a heavy hitter this guy was. Mm-hmm. He wrote songs for Nat King Cole, Marty Robbins, Frankie Avalon, The Drifters. I can keep going. Uh, let's see. Who else was in Dion there? Dion Warwick's in there. Yeah. Oh, he wrote a ton for her. Um. Neil Diamond is in there. Um, Dusty Springfield. Mm-hmm. I know I'm leaving a bunch out here, but um, I know I'm leaving somebody big out, and I kind of killing me right now. But yeah, a legend. Like he's not the greatest songwriter. Of, oh, like Tom Jones, Manfred Mann is in there. Herb Alpert. Carpenters. Yep. Carpenters, that's yeah. right, yeah. Yep. This is just my favorite song that he helped write. But he passed away today. And, I, like, you know, most of the songs he wrote were either, like, soft rock, like this, or, like, things that towed the line with country, a little bit R&B, things like that. Was it, like, hard rock or anything? I always think of like the late 60s like bossa nova jazz thing mm-hmm. that was going on. Oh, he also wrote uh, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Yeah, you forget about that one, B.J. Thomas. Yeah. That, that was the number one song in the United States. Burt Bacharach wrote five number ones for all different people, all different artists. He also uh, he also co-wrote "That's What Friends Are For." That was a uh, that was a big medley. Actually, didn't we just have that recently for number one song of yeah, the day? Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, of course, that was fronted by Dion Warwick, but you know Elton John and Gladys Knight and Stevie Wonder were on there. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, Patty Labelle, he's wrote stuff for her. Michael McDonald, I mentioned Neil Diamond. Uh, Ray Parker Jr. I, I thought yeah. that was a funny one to yeah. see pop up. Elvis Costello was that was the last yes. hit he wrote. Toledo by uh, Elvis Costello. Forgot about that collaboration. Yeah, 
Wow. Uh, how about this? Um, so, you know Sloan from K-Rock? He used to come in here and play a little uh, music versus movies with us. Do they know it? Yes. Uh, he has given me a task, and I think this is very interesting. I've seen people do this before, but I've never made one myself. So it's for K-Rock, and he wants to do a hard rock, heavy metal band, March Madness. And it's going to be a 64-band field. Interesting. And it's going to be you know broken into four regions, okay. seated 1 through 16. And he wants the regions 70s, 80s, 90s. In the 2000s, and we're talking from 2000 to now. Okay. And, you know, I got to thinking. Where would you... Okay, I, I think I know the easy answer here. But Metallica. Ooh. Because there's those bands that, like, really teeter a couple of decades. And Metallica's one of them. I would put them 80s. Because you had, of course, well, you had what their first five albums, "Kill 'Em All," "Ride the Lightning," and "Justice for All," Master. Uh, "Master of Puppets." Those were all '80s. Yeah, you got to base it on just those. The rest of it's garbage. And then the well, the Black Album. What, what you think? It's okay. that's, you think it's okay? Some would say it's one of the greatest albums of all time. It sold a lot. I, I am yeah, personally... The, a f- the flaw there is trying to determine be- between where they hit the charts versus where the breadth of their work really lay. Everything after Black Album, I don't like very much. The, the thing is, like, who would be the number one seed in the 80s? Oh, wow. I would honestly... I That's think I would hard. go Metallica. Really? I was waiting for him to say Motley Crue. I, I just... I figured that was coming. Because... I would say Van Halen. They ruled the 80s. <sighs> Did they rule the eighties? They ruled the eighties. Yeah, even they got they lost their lead singer, and then they got a new lead singer, and then they were still on top. I mean, let's be let's be perfectly honest. They fifty one fifty is still in the eighties. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I think. Well, I think their first three out. Well, their first three, I think, were seventies. Right on the cusp of it. I mean, I I would definitely put Van Halen eighties. Don't get me wrong here. I think. You know, it's kind of like you kind of have to go with where do you associate that band from the decade? Like, it doesn't have to be most, you know, like where most of their albums were from, just where you think they represented best. And I think Van Halen would definitely be 80s for sure. Um, and then, like, you can make a, you know, like the Foo Fighters. Actually, I, like the Foo Fighters, I think I would make them the number one seed in the 2000s. First two albums uh, for Van Halen were. Seventies, okay. Women and Children first was nineteen eighty. Like, what about ACDC? Oh wow! I mean, I can make the argument that they started off really great in the beginning of the decade, but then not so much for the rest of it until like Razor's Edge came out, which was like ninety. Correct. The eighties are tough. The eighties are it, exceptionally are tough. tough. Yeah. Would you go Nirvana for the nineties? I would for the one seed. They were the biggest thing. But so short. But they had an impact on the entire rest of the decade. I would say that you would go Pearl Jam if you really wanted to go impact I, on the rest of the decade. I would not put mm. Pearl Jam number one as the number one seed. I I mean... The fact that like Nirvana I, is still popular even within my age group and inspires a lot of rappers today too, I think says a lot. 
other than Pearl Jam. So the 70s are is the easiest one. That's the easiest call. It is. Led Zeppelin. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really. Who else? I, I mean, you have Aerosmith and you mm-hmm. have Black Sabbath. I uh, think you should do it by, like, region. Like, what's the best U.S. band? What's the best, like, outside wow. of the U.S. band? Because that makes it a little bit easier. Because for the 70s, I would go Zeppelin and then I would go Aerosmith for America. I got a lot of thinking to do. Right. Because once upon a time, I did a top 30 Elton John list, and I spent way too much time on that. This might be a little <laughs> bit longer. But I like the challenge, because I've always thought this would be fun to do, yeah. like put together a March Madness bracket, but not basketball, because mm-hmm. we all fill out a bracket. True. I see it within like the music community all the time. People are always making it with people's songs and stuff. Trey, did you ever did you fill out a bracket last Were you working for us last year, basketball time? No. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna need you to fill out a bracket. I could do that this year, and but we also need you to record. Like, we need you to uh, put it on record, like who you're going to pick. To oh, yeah. all the way. I can do it. Let's go to um, the uh, the news from K State earlier today. They're gonna change. Uh, they're gonna change. A tip off time has been changed. It's the Iowa State game that is a week from Saturday, and the Cyclones. Uh, let me get organized here. The Cyclones will be visiting Manhattan on February 18th. That was originally supposed to be like a 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock tip-off, mm-hmm. uh, early evening tip. It's been changed to 1 o'clock, and it's going to be on ESPN. Um, so here is, here's kind of what I'm getting at here. That the game's going to be on ESPN. It wasn't originally. I believe it was supposed to be either ESPN2, ESPNU. Correct. But now it's been flexed. And many people thought that couldn't be done. It could be done. That it, it definitely could. You just can't move a game from ESPN, ESPN two to to plus. That's what I understand. Or from plus to ESPN, or, or yeah, the other way around. Like that, I guess, isn't supposed to be done. Like if it's online, it's online. Yeah. Uh, so here is my thought. Now I don't know anything. This is just a thought. So the way. ESPN does college game day now for basketball. Oh, it used to be that they would basically just they would schedule out the uh, the whole the whole year right for college game day. It's like going on tour. It's like a band going on tour. You already know the dates and you know the stops. And they haven't been here in thirteen years. I was looking at the schedule for that Saturday that 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 February the eighteenth. I was like, all right, you got you got Iowa State, you got K State, and by the way, I'm seeing secondary site ticket prices because this is a sold out game. Like the cheapest is like three hundred dollars. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a ticket price when it comes no. to the cheapest on a secondary site for a sold out game that expensive. Yeah, not a K State game, and it, especially when it's not K State KU. Right, it's Iowa State. So that that Saturday you have you do have Baylor at KU. So that is that's definitely a rival for being selected. But then you have like Notre Dame Virginia, that's a ranked versus unranked. There's not a whole lot. Tennessee's at Kentucky, but Kentucky's not ranked. You know, I mean does ESPN really want to pull that card? Also in Big 12 play, you have Oklahoma State at TCU. Oklahoma's at Texas. Georgia's at Alabama. They're actually they're going to be going to Auburn, Alabama for the 
Iron Bowl basketball edition for game day this Saturday. And I don't know when they announce it, but that's really it. Right. So what I'm thinking is like, is ESPN thinking about bringing college game day back to Bramlage Coliseum for the first time in 13 years? Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a good possibility. K State, they got to be on the short list. I just gave you a handful. There's maybe two other games that could get it. But my thought is like, all right, you have been to Allen Fieldhouse many times. Right. Baylor is not, they are top 15, but they're not. You know, like the most, they're playing very well. And Jonathan Chama Chachua's back. We'll see how much of a difference he makes defensively because they need the help defensively. But they've been down Fieldhouse many times. They haven't been back to Manhattan in 13 years. And, you know, of course, that was, you know, Cats are top 15, top 10 team that year. Jacob Pullen having a big year. And uh, that was one of the best games I've seen in, in Bramlage Coliseum, the game that went to overtime. And KU ended up winning that. But it's been 13 years. And what a story K-State is this year. Because you got first-year head coach Jerome Tang coming after to K-State after 19 years at Baylor. Yep. He's got this team up to his highest top five in the country, number five in the country. And not only is he up for coach of the year in the, in the country, but you have Keontae Johnson who is back after two years off, and he has the comeback story of the year. It also allows for not just the setup for that day with Iowa State coming in, top 15. You've got the rematch with Baylor looming on Tuesday night of the next week. So they can knock out a couple of different storylines if they come on Saturday for that game. I'm just saying, I think it's a good possibility. I Again, nothing is... Set in stone. I don't even know when they announce it. Yeah, like, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's a social media thing. I don't really watch college game day for basketball very often. But I think it's a good one. I think it's a good possibility. I just don't know for sure. I, I don't have a clue. Just a hunch. I would definitely pick Iowa State, K-State over Baylor and KU, even though both of those matchups, the previous meetings, and K-State's Iowa State was a little bit better. Baylor controlled that game over Kansas pretty much the entire way. God, it would make me sick if ESPN picked Tennessee, Kentucky over over Farmageddon. Right. What a what a weird what a weird story that that's going to be if that does come true. Game day comes to Manhattan. I mean, I feel like. If that were to happen, we're living in the upside-down world of Stranger Things. <laughs> Game day kicks off in Bramlage Coliseum, and all of a sudden it looks like the inside of a dude's intestines on Tex-Mex night. Because <laughs> KU football got college game day, yes, and now K-State basketball gets it, if it happens, right. and it's not even the KU game. <laughs> Talk about strange. Oh, man. Things are changing, man. Uh, wow. I, I hope it happens. Really do. That'd be so much fun. It, I remember, God, it was so cold that day. That January day in 2010, I was in line at three in the morning <laughs> to get my spot. Because back then, if you wanted to get in the KU game, like if you, I don't know, like 
It used to be a group thing. Like you would sign up your group and they'd give you a number. You just got to line up in that order. And somebody in your group had to be in line at all times. And they would like, they would go around and like, it was like a roll call and they would just keep shouting out the numbers. And when you heard your number, you had to raise your hand. And we forgot, we almost forgot to. And if you forgot, you, you basically got kicked to the back of the line. But I was, if you weren't in a group, you were in the last line of the night to get in. And they would hand you out these wristbands with a number. I had to be in line at 3 a.m. to get in that line Oof. that was technically outside the parking lot. And then the parking lot opened at 6 to get your wristband. And I got a good number because I was a fast runner. It's not that crazy anymore. Thank no. God. Uh, also, I'm also, you know, be an announcer, so no more waiting in line. Yeah, right. Well, even, you know, even if I wasn't, there's no more waiting in line. Shh, stop giving the hints as to why we do our thing. <sighs> come on, ESPN, make the right decision. When we come back, let's look more into the Big 12 standings and the Big 12 title hunt because I think the drama is just getting started. That's coming up next. All right, so I can be a little dumb sometimes. I didn't look close enough at the Tennessee-Kentucky game. That's a noon tip. And it's also on CBS. That's okay. yep. So that's not happening. Nope, not a game day. For college game day, I think it's it would, it, would, it would be between Iowa State, K-State, Baylor, KU. Both of those games on ESPN. You have 1 o'clock for the Cats, 3 o'clock for KU. Heck, what I would do is just, uh, you know, college game days from 10 to 11, just let the students in at, like, 839 let them funnel in as like it was just like leading up to tip off or whatever like right. normal doors open well, maybe that might be a little bit I don't know there's a lot that's a lot of planning to figure out and I'm sure they would be able to figure it out if fans just wanted to come in early and just and after the show wraps up two hours to hang out in Bramlage play, I don't know play cards yeah sandstorm on loop <laughs> That is a kind of a awkward turnaround. <laughs> Very awkward you're turnaround. Just, I don't know if you just start kicking people out at eleven and like, hey, come back in at twelve. No, no, you can't. You can't go that route. Okay, now that scares me a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit of an inconvenience. I don't know. I don't know. I, I Casey will figure it. K State athletics is full of the smartest people in the world. Um, hey, everybody, let's go to the Shamrock Zone. Yeah, just forget about the tickets for the Shamrock Zone. Just let whoever in. Everybody's a paying customer. Let's go make some cash. There you could clear people out at a certain time unless they had their tickets. See, although, see how that worked? Although, uh, I don't know how much cash people have left after spending 300 bucks to get into that game. Valid point. Because going back 13 years ago, that game was like, I don't know, like, it's like a 5 o'clock tip or something like that. So... They just let anybody in for college game day for the KCKU game in 10. Sure. Anybody they can come clear in. the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah come, on, come on in. And it was awesome. It was the largest crowd that game day had ever had until the week later right. at Rupp Arena, whoever Kentucky was playing. Because they filled up their arena. I think Bramlage was like half full mm-hmm. for game day. I remember a bunch of Fort Riley soldiers came over. I remember a lot of guys in uniform. At game day. Good for them. Yeah. Me and my, uh, I was with a couple of friends. 
We went. We got like fourth row for game day. It was it was, it was pretty cool. You you realize that for all of the things that I have done in my career, and the stops that I have had at places such as Rupp Arena for games and called games at, I've never once been at a place where game day is taking place. Really? Because, let's be honest, they weren't in the Big Sky Conference for football until this year when they visited for the Brawl of the Wild, Montana, Montana well, State. Well, you know, Northern Colorado kind of sucks at everything, so. Yeah, well, it's right now very much so in basketball this year, and football's been a disaster. Other than like few. one year, right? Like, uh, well, no, you, you can go about four years in there where, okay. you know, two two runs to the championship in the CIT, one of them they won. You've got the NCAA tournament run, yeah. The couple of times College Game Day came here for football, I actually I didn't go to either one of them. I don't know what I was doing. Probably playing a sport somewhere, but I, when they're there for the Big Twelve Championship game, that was super easy. Right. And we had field access, so we could just go down and go up to the set if we wanted to and watch. And that was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I just for you know, I don't want. I wouldn't stay around for three hours and watch the football one. It got kind of. I I was kind of over it after an hour. Right. It gets a little tedious. Eh, it just you know. They were doing the headgear thing inside anyway, and of course it was opposite of the press box, and of course Corso puts on Willie right right in front of the TCU fans, so that was pretty sweet. Nice. He was the only one, only one that picked uh, the Cats to get it done against TCU. If you look at the Big 12 standings of, uh, of basketball, of course, everybody has seven games left. And yes, it has been dramatic so far. I think the drama is just getting started because you know, Oklahoma State is getting a little louder. Even though they lost Avery Anderson for a yep. while, he has a wrist injury that needed surgery. He's out for an indefinite amount of time. Um, so we'll see how much that affects Oklahoma State, but they still got it done last night uh, as they take down Texas Tech, even though Texas Tech was plus 400 in a three-point game with about four minutes to go and didn't get it done, you know, Texas Tech is 1-10. That's a a team that can't figure out how to close games, and that's where K-State is going to be at Saturday. You're talking about a team that is basically dead last in a lot of categories statistically. Mm-hmm. And I hope K-State does not lose that game. That would be horrible if they did. I don't think they will. Mitch Palm is feeling pretty good. Feeling okay. pretty good. All right. Oklahoma, forget about him. I don't think even Porter Mosier is really uh, – invested too much in this season anymore rumors flying around that he's interested in another another job uh which is happening speaking of colin klein it's notre dame Uh, i believe it is if i heard it right seriously yeah Uh, talk about a hire that i never understood why it was made porter Mosier at oklahoma yeah i Uh, I don't know that literally came down to he had success at one school but if you look at what his record had been before that, what his resume was before that, I mean, the guy had struggled everywhere until he got to Loyola of Chicago, where they decided to reinvest in their programs and and make something happen. I was uh, in West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia has pulled off a couple of nice wins at home, but it's, it's probably too little too late for them. I think you truly have... One of the tightest battles we have seen in Big 12 basketball. Texas, K-State, Kansas, Baylor, Iowa State, TCU, Oklahoma State 
with seven games to go, all within two games of each other. You have Oklahoma State and TCU, who are tied for sixth in the country, or sixth in the in the Big 12 standings, not the country, but they are two games back of the Texas Longhorns, who are at eight and three. Oklahoma State has made a, a hell of a comeback mm-hmm. lately, and all the credit to them and Mike Boynton. That's been a fun team to watch lately. After putting up a heck of a fight against K State the first time, I want to. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring this up, though, mostly is because I want to bring up a topic and a question that was brought up earlier today in the office. Out of the seven teams that are in contention for the Big Twelve Championship, who is less likely to win it? And I think I got an answer for you. We brought them up earlier. I think it's Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like it, it may sound a little crazy to pick them. Because now they're more healthier, because they got Jazz Coons back. But right. here, here, here's my my logic behind that. It's because of the, they can't figure it out on the road, right? And you can't win this conference without down the stretch winning some road games. And here, who who they have left on the road is K State, Texas, and Baylor. And I don't expect them to win any of those games. So if they were to lose those three games. Now you have Baylor at seven losses in the conference, and odds are they're going to lose one at home, at least one at home. And still on their uh, their home schedule, they still have to play TCU. And I would imagine, and that's in a week, that's a little over a week, actually a little less, my bad. That's, on, uh, that's six days away. I would imagine Eddie Lampkin will be more healthy. Mike Miles, he's supposed to come back in two days and play. So TCU, there's a good chance they're going to be at full strength, or at least very close to it. And earlier this year, it was Iowa State winning at TCU by two points. That's probably their only threat to lose at home, I'm guessing, because they still have Oklahoma State. Well, Actually, that's Saturday. Mm-hmm. I, You know what? Watch out for the Cowboys. That's going to be a very interesting 5 o'clock tip on ESPN2. I will say this, though, when you look at what our remaining schedule is, I'm uncomfortable about having to tr- see K-State travel to Oklahoma State still. Yeah, that's, and that's that's soon. That's the 25th. Yeah, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Plus, just for good measure, then you throw in a road trip to Morgantown to close out your regular season. Yeah. Even though, if you look at who's left... Of the seven of the seven opponents that's left, I mean, you know, K State might have the most, and it's kind of hard to say this word, favorable schedule. I, I said it. I've said it many times. I thought that K State's Big Twelve schedule was more front loaded than back loaded, because they 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 now have can't they played Kansas twice in the first nine games. The games on the road that felt like the toughest are now all out of the way. Texas, Baylor. Actually, all. Let me look. Let me look here. They've already played Texas, KU, Baylor, Iowa State, TCU. All those road games are now out of the way. True, but you still have West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. Yep, those are the f- bottom four teams left in the in the in the conference. Home games, you still have Iowa State. You still have Baylor and Oklahoma. I mean. It, the way things are playing out down the stretch, that's probably how you would want it to go. Yeah. You would want the tougher opponents at home. And what would the statistics say is the 
I hate to downgrade them because you know they're not the worst. They're just playing the toughest conference in the uh, right in the in the country. Right. You know, I don't want to downgrade them too much, but they're probably not listening. Texas Tech, a <laughs> uh, little bit above trash uh, at this point. Again, they're just having t- trouble figuring it out. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas Tech—they're one more loss and they're below five hundred. That's you know that's obviously on them. But nobody else in the top seven that are in contention of the Big 12 championship have a favorable schedule like K-State does. But again, how favorable is it exactly? Odds tell you that K-State will potentially slip up somewhere. Um, But it wouldn't be any worse than if they were to slip up in Lubbock on Saturday, which I do not think is going to happen. I just feel like Iowa State lately on the road hasn't been pretty. They have lost to West Virginia by five. The most embarrassing loss for anybody in Big 12 play has been the one at Texas Tech, and they lost by three in overtime. And Texas Tech was also down a couple of guys in that game, a couple of starters that didn't play. And they still, and Iowa State still lost yeah. that game. Didn't show up in Columbia, Missouri. They lost at Oklahoma State by two and lost to Kansas by two. They're, they struggled to, in the last... Let's see. Let's cut them out here. Uh, five road games. They can't figure out how to pull it out. And I think that's what's going to hurt them the most down the stretch is they're not going to win on the road. So sorry, Iowa State. Mm-hmm. But at least you'll uh, potentially be a part of a college game day broadcast. A little consolation prize for your loss in Manhattan coming up on the 18th. Let's pause and let's, uh, let's do a number one song of the day. After these words. Everybody, second verse, same as the first. I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. Henry the Eighth, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and everyone was an Henry. She wouldn't have a Willie or a Sam. I'm a eighth old man, I'm Henry. Henry the Eighth, I am. From 1965, making their number one song of the day debut, it's Herman's Hermits. We were a proper nation. I'm Henry VIII. I am one week at number one. Dethrone the Rolling Stones from number one. What? I Can't Get No Satisfaction was knocked off with this. I, 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 I can't. I just can't. It was a simpler time. <laughs> we, we were an improper nation, I guess, then. Uh. <laughs> well, Herman's Hermits were the only band to beat the Beatles in the 60s. Because in 1965, Herman's Hermits outsold the Beatles. If you can believe that. Oh, boy. Fronted by Peter Noon, they were formed in 1964 in Manchester, England. They were a part of the first British invasion. Uh, So I'm sure you're wondering, where does Herman's Hermit's name come from? Well, Peter Noon, the singer, has in resemblance 
to Sherman from Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> so they shortened Sherman to Herman. Herman. <laughs> and it became Herman and his hermits. And then they shortened it. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy is right. Um, I mean, 65 was the pinnacle of their popularity. However, the group did log 24 consecutive weeks of being in the top 10 of the U.S. Billboard chart, and they were the uh, best singles act of the year. Eight studio albums, 18 top 40 hits. It's their second of two number ones. And it's from their, their second album called Herman's Hermits on Tour. <laughs> Is Mrs. Brown the other number one? Yes. Okay. Nicely done. So who's Henry VIII? Troy, this is where you shine. Former King of England. That is correct. From uh, 1491 to 1547. But what was he known for? <laughs> Murdering wives. He had six six <laughs> wives. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it's what it was, man. He couldn't get a divorce, so he just off their heads. Well, I didn't, I didn't dig that far into Henry the Eighth. Did he, he? He killed him. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Well, interesting. See, one of the issues that caused the Church of England to eventually be developed was the fact that the Pope would not sign off on divorces. Yeah, well, I, I'd read that, like, the church had really didn't want anything to do with this guy. Pretty much. Um, so this is actually a cover, if you can believe that. It was first recorded in the year 1910 by a gentleman by the name of Harry Champion. I'm just going to say it. That sounds like a porn star name. <laughs> and so, because he couldn't get divorces, he allowed. He basically caused the schism between Rome and London, and thus created the Church of England, making it the official religion of the country. Well, and in the process, proceeded to... Still not essentially divorces, wives. Original tune is a little bit longer. The hermits decided we'll just sh shorten it up down to a minute 51. And it's just the chorus three times. With the uh, sticking in there, second verse, same as the first. Hermits Hermits wanted a, wanted the follow-up to Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter, which was their first number one. They wanted that old-timey song to get them back to number one, and that's exactly what this song did. Now, you might be also thinking, I've heard this song. Where did I hear it before? Where have I heard this song? Because I had that. It was in the 1990 movie Ghost. Patrick Swayze is just pestering Oda May, played by Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. to help him with whatever was going on, help him, you know, get in contact with his widow. Um, shout out to Demi Moore. And so he keeps just singing, I'm Henry VIII, I am. <laughs> and she's like, all right, I'll help. Just stop singing. Catherine of Aragon, an old 1533. Of course. Anne Boleyn, an old 1536. 
Jane Seymour. No, not that Jane Seymour. Died 1537. <clears throat> uh, Anne of Cleves, an old 1540. Catherine Howard, died 1542. He was a lady killer. Literally. I yeah, I thought that was a... I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, literally. Lady mm-hmm. killer. Hey, I let it hang there so it worked. Because, you know, if he keeps off in these ladies yet, he still finds a wife. Unless he's right. forcing him. Wouldn't be surprised for those times. Well, I mean, he was the supreme ruler. How many Henrys were there? Because he was the eighth. Oh, man. If you're on Wikipedia, I might have that selection. You could just keep clicking. All right, next is Henry the ninth. Henry the tenth. <laughs> next 10th. Henry, next Henry, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here Travion what should we do should we take a break should we keep it going keep the party rolling up to you I just want to say for tomorrow's show we're going to be live from 4 to 5 we're going to uh, cover a lot about the uh, just Super Bowl uh, do you want to want to do a little Mitch in Vegas do some prop bets talk about the actual game uh, and since Troy and I will have Manhattan High Hoops tomorrow night uh, we're going to be leaving at 5 but you'll hear a brand new Mitch Palm and uh, and hopefully uh, we're, you're going to hear some uh, Manhattan hoops against Junction City. Might Which, be might be opportunity to rerun uh, yesterday's interview with Mitch. Maybe possibly we'll see if I feel like it. Uh, but uh, I've always said I feel like Manhattan Junction City is the Duke, North Carolina of uh, high school hoops in Kansas, and Manhattan is like the Duke, uh, especially with the confines that they play in. Crowd's more on top of you uh, there uh, at the MHS gym. All right, Travion, if you're ready to roll, there's the music. We can get our first. We get our first question. Go ahead when you're ready. Who do you guys have for the Super Bowl? I know it's already been kind of a thing of conversation. Kind of give it away. Simply, give it away, Mitch in Vegas. Well, I already had to make my pick yesterday. I was asked elsewhere what it was. Uh, I I've gone Chiefs. 28-24. Well, I don't have a final score, and I know the Eagles are favored by a point and a half, but I've, or- I've already said, I could just repeat what I've said before I make my official prediction, that I want the Chiefs to win. But, as as unbiased as I can be, I do slightly lean the Eagles. Right, It feels like a one-score game either way. I think it'll be a tight one, and I think it'll be an all-timer. Travion, well, Travion, it's the last show of the week. What do you? Who do you have? I have Rihanna because it's going to be the best <laughs> halftime show ever. It's going to be Did so you good. Listen, was it Brandon Marshall that pulled the prank on Patrick Mahomes? He told he told Patrick that Rihanna said you're the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, and then got the reaction, and Mahomes is smirking. He just he gives you the you know. The typical answer that, like, I appreciate it, you know, like, right, whatever. And then he's like, nah, I'm just joking. Good for B Marsh. Yeah. Nice. What's your favorite thing to do for the Super Bowl? Like, how do you celebrate or, you know, get together, Food. watch it? Food and drinks. Pretty much. Keep it simple. Do you, like, do it with your family? Do you do it with a group of friends? It kind of depends on the year. Um, last year, just with Lindsay, and I was the only one watching the game. I uh, actually had a stretch of about 14 years where I was hosting a show ahead of coverage on a, on a previous life, and we had a big to-do and were on location throughout the game. 
Well, if you listen to my top Which ten means list, I never got a good uh, good view of the uh, of Nipplegate. To be perfectly honest, oh, I remember watching that live. Everybody in the bar's like, "Did we just see what we saw?" I watched that live with my dad. It was yeah. just us two in the room, and I was at the age like, "Listen, if there's any nudity on TV, it's super awkward to have a parent in the room." <laughs> So, do I pretend like I didn't see it? Was I doing something else? Was I looking up at the ceiling? Wait a minute. It, at but the I age, saw it. Come on, man. My even, fa- even at this age, it's still awkward. My favorite thing about that whole thing, like, I remember when um, Michael was on Geraldo Rivera. That's how you say it. Oh, Geraldo. Geraldo. Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, he was asking him about that, and he was like, oh, we were watching the Super Bowl on my big theater screen. And everyone asked me if I saw it, and I was like, I, 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 I guess I missed it. I didn't see it, because he just didn't want to admit that he saw his, his sister's boob. Yeah, Why yeah that mad? would be weird. <laughs> Speaking of awkward. Trey, I just got to say, though, real quick, it seems like you would have a pretty decent Mike Jack impersonation. Like, can, if you put a lot of effort behind it, could you do his voice? I think I could, because I feel like I've heard his voice enough that I ha- could get the tone right. <laughs> All right, so... I always wanted to do like the game talent show, like where we had ev- like everybody still around. Sajay, she could play us or sing for us. Right. We still need you to play the clarinet, play Wabash on the clarinet. <sighs> now we need Trey to not only play some drums, but do a Mike Jack impersonation. <laughs> we'll let you practice. We'll let you come back and perform it when you're ready to go. For Trey, Troy, I'm Mitch. We're out. Go, cats.